Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we've got Kyle Minky, professional bass tournament angler on the show. This is our first time having Kyle on. You might recognize the last name, Minky. Uh, this is Dusty Minky's brother. We've had Dusty on a whole bunch of times, so it's getting a, a little bit family around here. Uh, Kyle, you know, Kyle brings a lot to the table, though, uh, that... I don't think very many other guests that we've had on, uh, very few guests uh, that we've otherwise had on after 200 plus episodes, uh, really brings to the table. Kyle is a high level bass tournament angler, uh, but he's baptized into a pretty high level of walleye angling. I mean, the first uh, really good memories and experiences of high level fishing in Kyle's lifetime and career as an angler were walleye fishing and he's still very involved in a high level of walleye angling you know i'm not going to tell you that he uh fishes the nwt like so many other anglers that we have on the show but kyle is you know being dusty's brother he rubs shoulders with some of the best walleye anglers in the country as well as uh you know kyle participates in high level walleye tournaments uh still uh, every year so he's always got kind of like you know, a couple of toes dipped in the water of the walleye world while he's making more of a living in the bass world. And there's a lot of crossover there. And there's some fun, popular topics across the industry right now in the walleye world, especially with what those crossovers are. It's really presentation oriented. But in this conversation, I asked Kyle about all of his experience, all of his experience, his whole life. And what are some of his opinions and experiences that he can sort of explain and articulate where the crossover is you know how much of his walleye experience influences him as a bass angler and how much of his more recent bass experience influences him uh you know when he's trying to target walleyes you know and 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 be on a high level all the time breaking down water you know being particular about his setups and the finesse and power versus power fishing and so we get some great recommendations in this episode and it's just a great conversation real fishy conversation with a really fishy guy and uh very very fun and it's it's fun to finally have kyle minky on the show after having brother dusty on so many times Uh, but yeah we're big fans of the whole family and yeah here we go this is sort of the 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 bass walleye crossover episode with kyle minky let's get to it This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CT360 from Brew City. The CT360 is a low-profile, heavy-duty pole mounting system made specifically for forward-facing sonar. The usability, the ease of installation, the CT360 can be installed on a rail, on a track system, it can be fastened right to the gunnel, and the durability made out of nothing but high-quality materials is what sets the CT360 apart for Brew City. For more information, head to BrewCityTMS.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Northland Fishing Tackle. Northland is a brand you can trust. Since the beginning, they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high-quality components. Most importantly, when you buy fishing tackle that says Northland on the package, you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only, and that is catching fish. To check out more of what they got, head to their website, northlandtackle.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. Who are you, where are you from, and what are some of your earliest fishing memories let's just start there and work our way up to where you're at now go ahead 
Okay, that sounds good. Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, uh, I'm super excited. Kyle Minky here. I'm from uh, Lindstrom, Minnesota. Grew up in uh, Forest Lake, Minnesota. And um, yeah, I, I basically started, well, my brother Dusty, you all know him, of course, Dusty Minky. He started uh, the whole walleye thing, guiding and tournament angling and at a pretty young age, like high school, just out of high school. And and uh, I became real fond of what, what he had going on, and, and I just decided to start jumping into some walleye tournaments and, and whatnot and had a little bit of success at uh, a younger age doing some smaller tournaments and a couple bigger ones and, and whatnot. And uh, then kind of started getting more into the bass the bass fishing. Uh, one of my good buddies, Dave Sickenator, he uh, was a, a big bass guy, and I started fishing some some weeknight deals with him and um and we did real well and uh I, I got addicted to bass fishing real real quick and and ended up buying you know some of her bass boat is actually one of gussie's old boats jeff gustafson's uh lund predators so it was more of a bass i mean still kind of a walleye but bass boat and, and uh got a little bit more into bass fishing and and started uh fishing uh i could start jumping in some toyota series and local bigger tournaments and then was it last year i got an invite to do uh the major league fishing invitational so uh it took me a couple days to make up my mind on what i want to do the big entry fees and six tournaments are kind of all over the starting in florida from oklahoma to georgia kind of all over the place so it was a big decision for me and uh ended up going with that and and uh yeah did those this year and had a blast. I didn't do super great, but uh, I got a couple of invitational ones over now, but I got a couple of Toyota series left and hopefully make a t- championship here in November on Table Rock. So, What were some of those impactful fishing experiences early on? And what, what was like, what was your fishing style? What was your fishing like, like way at the beginning, man? Like, tell me about yourself like, like then. Well, we could start real early. Um, my, my mom was actually... Uh, my dad worked a lot. He was a sheet rocker and we're, we're kind of still all in construction too. Me and my, my younger brother, Corey, I uh, still do plumbing work when I'm home, not fishing. And Corey, he still does sheet rock. My dad does sheet rock, but so my dad worked a lot. And, and my mom, she would actually bring us down to force Lake there in one of these little bays. And it was almost every day. Like I just wanted to go fishing. And then I was old enough to, and we were just catching panfish, you know, sunnies, bluegills. And then, randomly some bass or whatever and and then i was old enough to ride a bike down there by myself so i was literally down there every day have a bucket with me and two or three rods and a bunch of lures attached to my hat or whatever <laughs> so my mom my mom actually bring us fishing fishing all the time and and uh so yeah that's that that my mom doing that helped us out you know i mean that basically bring the love to fishing for me for sure like at what point in time did you totally realize that fishing the like the fishing industry and tournament angling was going to be your lifestyle versus like you know pushing a desk or working in a cubicle <laughs> yeah I, that's a yeah that's a, a bit of a long story too but uh and and actually in the summers my dad we would all as a family we'd take a trip and normally we'd go to like northern minnesota or, or somewhere on vacation we either stay in a tent or rent a cabin or a house or whatever and and my dad, he was actually a really good walleye fisherman. He was very good at 
lindy rigging and and you know pulling crankbaits or, or doing that kind of stuff and so we would go to basically a new lake every summer and the cool thing about this is that i remember the most is we would go to a body of water that my dad or we'd never been to before and we'd, we'd have to figure that place out you know and the first few days it would it would take us a while you know like we wouldn't catch much and we'd kind of be a little bummed out you know and we didn't have fish to eat or whatever and and it got to be like the third or fourth day and and then we started figuring things out and like we'd some of the fondest memories i've had in my whole life like we'd we'd have some unbelievable days just catching big strings of walleyes and and it was just so much fun and and uh yeah i'll never forget those those days or whatever but yeah it was pretty cool looking back to see like how my dad would break down a, a body water like that and, and that stuck with me so Oh my gosh, that's like, you must realize now that that was very impactful. That not everybody, you know, that loves fishing, that has a huge passion for fishing and fishes a lot, still probably didn't have access to or didn't have mentorship that brought them to a new lake and taught them how to break down water. Like everybody's, everybody's got one species that's our favorite. We've all got one body of water that's our home body of water and we think we know everything about it and that's like the end all be all and we retire on that information but you learned early on that like breaking down water that was like normal to you you just understood that that was fishing like that that had to have been very impactful on you yeah it definitely was and even like the the doc talk stuff came into play too you know my dad or he would always have like well, it was normally Dusty because Dusty's the talker, you know. <laughs> but he would have Dusty go snooping around, looking at people's boats, or talking to other guys and seeing how they're doing and what they're doing, you know. So we kind of put the pieces together like that too. So, so yeah, that was that was kind of cool seeing it in in that perspective too. But that's awesome, man. So, so yeah, let's uh, you know, to to sort of wrap up or sort of package up, you know, you who you are as an angler today, um you know, or now, like you, you, you talked about some of the tournaments that you fish, like, like, like tell me about like the last couple of years of your, uh, the last couple of years of, of your tournament career. Like, where have you been? What have been some of the, you know, bigger experiences that you've had? What have been some of the more impactful things going on more lately? Yeah, for sure. Um, Basically, the last couple of years, I mean, before this year, I, I kind of just fished, the, they're called the Major League Fishing Toyota Series. And they're, you know, an average entry fee, pretty much what a, a NWT entry fee is or whatever. And, and they have four different, four or five different regions. There's a, a southern, a, a plains, a northern, a northern, which is like northeast, Thousand Islands and Potomac River. And you know why they call it north, but it's basically northeast, but so I would basically just fish the the Plains divisions because it was uh, Missouri, Lake of the Ozarks, Table Rock mixed in there, and then um, Kentucky Lake, and there was a couple other ones like Grand Lake and whatever. So I kind of fished those the last few years, and and I've been there a couple times, so I got you know somewhat good at fishing them, which most bass anglers don't like like Grand Lake because it's it's all rocks, you know, there's no weeds. And a guy from up north like me, I'm used to fishing weeds or stuff. And so, so picking a body of a lake like that, you know, it's it's kind of hard to, you know, put it together, you know. And and I, I found success on that lake, and it's actually one of my favorite lakes still. And so yeah, I just fished on plains divisions, and I did okay, like my first year, which I think was like five or six or seven years ago. 
I think I made the championship my first year, which was it was like top 40 back then. Now it's top 25, but and then I think I did the I did a Northern Series mixed in there too, because I wanted more experience with smallmouth. So uh, it was like a thousand islands and Champlain, and the Potomac River was on that one too. And that one's a grass kind of tidal fishery too. That one's really tough. I was actually out there this year too, but ended up doing a little bit better out there this year. Cast your check out there, or whatever. But not kind of getting off subject. But uh, yeah, I I did pretty good in those Toyota series that are and they're super fun. You have a co-angler, entry fees aren't super bad, and had a little bit bit of success in those and, and made a little bit of money, not a ton. I mean, took a couple top tens or whatever and, and uh, kind of kept me going in the fishing industry or whatever, you know, like kind of kept the bills being paid and the entry fees and, and whatever. And so, yeah, that's kind of where it's been the last couple of years. Tell me a little bit about your walleye experience too, just to kind of, just to let everybody kind of yeah. understand, because you're, you're the guy that's on both sides of the coin and there's not a ton of you that have really like, that really have trophies in your trophy case. Some have walleyes on them, some have bass on them, um, that are meaningful. So, um, you know, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about some of your more meaningful walleye experiences as of, uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Um, that kind of started, it was probably oh, a little, I'll just start back a little ways, but I did some MWC stuff and my dad was still, was in, and my dad's still into fishing. She still fishes with Dusty every once in a while and, and me in a couple of tournaments, but, but I got, jumped into a few MWCs with my dad and, and just some local ones like Mille Lacs And I would do, I think I'd do Cast Lake every year and, and, and we would, you know, take a top 10 here or there. We didn't fish them all, but just some random ones here and there. So it was, uh, we were always working or whatever too. So, and then, uh, I kind of just like the leech Lake classic came up and I started, I, I still do that one. That's actually one of my favorite tournaments to this day to still fish. I, I usually fish with my younger brother, Corey and dusty fishes with my dad. And it's just an awesome family event. And then we do, we do fairly well on that one every year. And, and it's a, uh, it's a ton of fun or whatever. And, and so, yeah, I look forward to that one a lot. And, I think we've taken a we've taken top ten there. I think in the last four or five years now. That's one of those tournaments, though. That's like it's tough. It is. It's 155 boats, and they're all them guys. They're pretty much 150 local. plus boats. Teams of guys that are just just local savages. I mean, including right. including the minkies. I mean, you're lo- you're savages, but it's like everybody's a savage. Like you don't you can't. Like you can't like come in with one you can't come in with one short fish. Like you can't no. you can't come in short anywhere no. or you're or you're down fifteen spots. Like it's like one of those that and there's just such great examples of of that in some of these tournaments, you know, across the Midwest in the walleye world. But yeah, I just I definitely I love highlighting that stuff. Yeah, and that lake is unbelievable though. That lake shows out like it's crazy. There's so many fish in that lake, and and I got I got to give a lot of credit to to my active target on that one because I I learned that like at an early age or when it first came out. Like I was I had it, you know, and I got I got really I got pretty good with it, you know. So so I give a lot of credit credit to that for sure. Forward sonar is definitely definitely a big deal, and I think it's going to be part of our conversation here now. So like, and 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 again, like like. 
a minute before we started recording this is like I why I told you why I called you. So here it is. Like we've learned about you as a person, where you come from, where your passion for fishing really started, your opportunities in the industry, and you fish high level bass tournament uh, tournaments now. Uh, but you, you you were baptized into fishing, into a high level of fishing uh, by your dad in walleye fishing. To be somebody that's on both sides of the coin, you've seen high level walleye, you're, you know, you're exposed, you know, it, you have a, for a long time and still at, at a high level of both bass fishing uh, and walleye fishing. And so I really just want to speak on that. And the big thing here, the big takeaways that I want to get out of you is anything that you can talk about where those things collide. Like where are the biggest overlaps uh, on, a, again, like a high level uh, as it pertains to strategy, uh, uh, techniques of breaking down water, you know, utilizing electronics, like, like where do bass fishing and walleye fishing really overlap the most in your experience? And what are some, you know, I want to ask you, like, what are some specific experiences? What are some specific, you know, tournament stories or fishing stories that you could have that would maybe explain where walleye fishing has helped you bass fishing and where bass fishing has taught you something that you brought into the walleye fishing world. Um, and, and no topics are off limits in this. This is the first time I've ever talked about it. And so wherever this conversation takes us, it takes us. I'm just excited about it. So that's what I'm just, I'm just passing you the ball here at this point. So you tell me where this conversation starts. Go ahead. All right. Don't let me ramble on too much here, but oh, uh, go for it, man. We got time. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, we could just, I could just start off with, you know, the, the whole walleye deal, helping me bass fish, like just the whole finesse part of it and the, and the light line tactics and the, and the being super subtle with baits and, and, you know, coming like just for example, like a a drop shot, you know, I see a lot of guys shaking their rods a lot, you know, and, and, and it's just a lot of movement, you know, where I've, I've learned walleye fishing, like, you know, like, they like it real subtle a lot of days you know some days yeah they're real aggressive and whatnot but but yeah just being being super subtle and it seems like you get them bigger bites when you're you're just not moving it quite as much you know sometimes and uh and then talking about like forward facing sonar basically i if my forward facing sonar went out in my boat when i'm smallmouth fishing or walleye fishing i'd probably put my boat on my trailer or go get get a new one fair enough yeah but if i'm largemouth fishing that's a different story they like i explain it to people there's about maybe four times throughout a day where where a largemouth will come off the bottom or out from some cover and you can actually see them real happy and like feeding and rolling around you know but but largemouth uh, not so much i mean depending on which body water you're on for sure like we've experienced some pretty cool stuff on table rock when that lake is just full of shad and we're fishing 60 feet of water and they're down 30 feet, you know, and, and if you don't got forward facing sonar, you, you know, you might as well just go home because you, you ain't going to do any good unless the, unless it like rains a lot and it, the water gets dirty and pushes those fish shallow and they're forced to, to do that. But, but yeah, the forward facing sonar definitely changed the way I fish for sure ever since it's came out.
This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CT360 made by Brew City. The CT360 is a heavy-duty, low-profile, very versatile pole mounting system made specifically for operating forward-facing sonar. This is a very durable product made out of high-quality materials, very versatile and easy to use, as well as easy to install. It can be incorporated onto a rail system or a track or just attached directly to the gunnel if you know exactly where you want it to be. For more information on Brew City's CT360 pole mounting system, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That is BrewCityTMS.com. This podcast is brought to you by Northland Fishing Tackle. Northland is a brand you can trust. Since the beginning, they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high-quality components. Most importantly, when you buy fishing tackle that says Northland on the package, you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only, and that is catching fish. To check out more of what they got, head to their website, northlandtackle.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. From a water breakdown standpoint, like, like, what can you tell me there? Talk to me about some of the similarities there with like your time management, how much ground you cover, you know, how you look at spots and that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I str- I struggle a lot with time management. Like, I, I feel like I need a lot of, of work on that for sure because I'll, I'll I'll milk out an area or a spot and try to get like find the perfect fish, you know, where where it's, I should be just catching one and be like okay moving on you know i can come here during the tournament waste my time here then you know or, or whatever but but no i mean fine it, it depends a lot of on the body of water and it and it's kind of nice having a little bit of experience now to where if i'm going to a grass lake or a rock lake or a, a tidal system or a river where i kind of already got some preconceived notions and then for sure the biggest thing is is a pre-spawn is it spawn is a post-spawn you know and water temperature and all that stuff that everybody already knows but but having those preconceived notions you know helps sometimes but it can hurt you sometimes too you know and and wasting time trying to do those things you know yeah and another like to me it's it's so mental like i think it's a a very big percentage where where it's it's just terminally is very mental what are some of those things that you're trying to do that you know lock you in mentally? Like some of those mental preparations that do just give you that confidence, like like during pre-fishing that you're really striving for. And if you don't achieve it, you know, then you're, you know, then then you just don't have you just don't have the plan yet. We could just talk about these the invitational tournaments I've done this year. So we're basically we're we only get three days of practice, and it's from an hour before sunrise to an hour after sunset and that's it. So basically time management is, is huge. You know, you, you only have three days to break it down and, and that is it. You know, you can't go there pre pre-practice 30 days prior to the tournament. You can't go there. So yeah, you have to be prepared. You know, I've, I've got, I carry probably 30 rods in my boat and I've got all these preconceived notions on what I'm going to use and what I'm going to do. And and my wife has all this food prepped for us and everything where I don't even have to stop at a store to pick anything up. All I got to do is worry about putting gas in my boat and gas in my truck. And, and once in a while she travels with too. So her helping out that much is, is so key for me too, where I don't have to worry about that side of things, you know, too. So, so that's very nice. And then 
talking about you know breaking down down water getting a few bites here and there and and then working a game plan for for the tournament and then even if you're not on fish like quality fish or whatever and still having that that mental mindset of of you can you can still do this like anything can happen every day is different every hour is different every half hour is different you know and trying to keep that positive mental attitude seems to help a lot and I still struggle with that a little bit and I'm sure some other guys could say the same but but yeah that helps out so much just um keeping a positive attitude for sure and like how do you feel like tournament angling has affected you like when you're just like fun fishing? Are you still like in a tournament mindset all the time or is fun fishing a chance for you to just relax yeah. and not care so much? No, I mean, it's, t- I mean, I'm getting better. And I used to be, I used to be pretty bad where I wouldn't even sit down to have some water. You know, I just want to catch as many fish as I possibly can in this lake yeah. for until it's dark. You know what I mean? And, but no, <laughs> yeah, I, I've calmed down a little bit in my older age here and, and I'm actually having some fun, fun fishing, which doesn't happen very often. Like my wife loves to fish and I think we've been fun fishing twice this year. So she's not too happy with me about that, but, but no, I, I definitely try to try to just have fun, fun fishing. And then when I fish with my buddies, it's, you know, it can be competitive sometimes, especially with Hoyer, of course, oh, but, yeah. but we, we have fun together. So yeah everything's a gamble with him everything's a bet everything's a wager <laughs> which i love because i'm yeah. i'm kind of the same type too so <laughs> right on now talking about like you know like you know the, the walleye fishing like how would you say bass fishing you know your bass fishing experiences have affected you as a walleye angler i mean obviously just any fishing experience on a high level is going to bring you up your skill level is going to go up your knowledge your you know just your overall approach your confidence and and, and everything your repertoire is, is, is probably grown so much, <clears throat> you know, since you started fishing bass. Like, tell me about that as far as like walleye fishing. What do you feel like have been the major contributors to your walleye fishing that, you know, from your bass experience? Yeah, I, I, most of, I'd say just time on the water and not even just walleyes. I mean, just every fish, multi species. Like, I love catching crappies and bluegills and lake trout and, and everything else and just 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 time time on the water and and all kinds of species of fish is going to make you a better angler you know i mean and the the walleye i guess just starting out at an early age starting to fish those tournaments and and getting my my mind my mindset right and and time management and all that comes back to all that too but but yeah uh, just the the finessier techniques for for the walleyes and and switching that over to the, the bass side too you know i mean i'm not afraid to use four pound test on a on a pressured lake because i know how many walleyes i can catch on a four pound leader with the windy rig on blacks and i think my record was 25 or something in oh, a row yeah, with a yeah, 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 yeah. so i know a tough four pound test is so i'm not afraid to to throw that at a bass either you know especially a large mouth i mean a small mouth that's kind of kind of getting iffy there but yeah but i'm got not a little bit of horsepower yeah, and then with the forward facing thing too, just how walleyes react and how a smallmouth will, and, and a largemouth, it's it, it's pretty similar on some days and in some hours, and so yeah, that that has a big factor in it too. Talking about like presentations, that's the real popular one 
you know, in the industry right now. Like walleye anglers, it's kind of a badge of honor for walleye anglers, uh, you know, to be catching fish nowadays, like you said, on forward sonar with, you know, the, the drop shotting. You know, the Ned Rigs was just such a craze. Uh, right. You see a lot of uh, bladed jigs, you, you know, uh, like jerk baits have been around for a long time, but that's a, that's a, that's definitely a bass lure, you know, or that originated in the, in the bass world for sure. Um, and, um, you know, and I, and I even think too, that, uh, there's probably, you know, like hair jigs, you know, are kind of making a resurgence now. And I think that they're involved in that because hair jigs, in certain places, you know, like cold water scenarios, like have been catching smallmouth since forever. That kind of never fell off, um, but it's making its it's making its way back into walleye fishing. Like like all of these things are, um, and we're starting to realize some of these similarities. And it is it's kind of a badge of honor for walleye anglers to sort of get away from a Lindy rig or get away sure. from live bait. I think is really the thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, like for get. Sure. Figuring out how to break down and forward sonar has helped us a whole bunch. Have you had any of those like specific, you know, memories where you fish in walleyes where your bass rods were already rigged up and you just kind of went at it that way? Like, tell me about that. Oh yeah. So, I mean, just on Leech Lake, like the bass side of me comes out, you know, I'm I'm looking at them with the active target, of course, and and I'll have a jerk bait on my, on my deck for sure on a bait caster, not a spinning rod. Well, I'll have a spinning rod too, but, but I love catching stuff on a bait caster. So I'll have a jerk bait. I'll have a hair jig. I don't care how warm the water is. I'll have uh, some kind of uh, Northland head, like a quarter, three eighths or three sixteenths with uh, some type of a minnow bait, like a Northland split tail or uh, a little Z2 minnow, you know, and uh, that that's on my deck versus, uh, and I'll for sure still have a bobber and a, a jig and a shiner or whatever, but but when that that opportunity presents itself where I see that that walleye that's say a little higher in the water column or chasing bait or super active, like I'm throwing that jerk bait at him. I'm throwing that, I'm definitely throwing that plastic at him or I don't want to throw the bobber. Like the bobber's the last result, you know. So so that's where a little my bass side of me comes out is is when I know when the uh opportunity presents itself, I'm I'm definitely gonna throw somewhat of a bass type lure at it and and try to get it to bite that first. Tell me about your power fishing. Like, you know, like bass fishing can be a lot of power fishing um, oh, yeah. at times. Like, do you, you know, and you're already kind of talking about it. So I guess I, I just kind of want to funnel you down that road a little bit of like, you know, how has power fishing, you know, for bass really helped you sort of appreciate walleyes as a, as a predator, as a, you know, and everything that we learned with forward sonar. Maybe, maybe go down that road a little bit with any of your experiences. Yeah, so I, I definitely the the walleye world has changed. Like, I I can't even remember the last time I've used a Lindy rig. It's it's at least six years probably ever since forward facing sonar came out. You know, I, they don't like being under the boats anymore. You can't drive over them. It, at least in in my experience. So so you know, I was always that guy on on the the front of the boat on the front deck like a bass guy, but I'm walleye fishing. And, you know, I, I learned at an early age how to, how to jig wrap for them too. So I, that was like my number one thing. If I'm going on a walleye tournament and they bite a jig wrap, like I'm, I'm doing that for sure. Cause it, that's so, I mean, I'm sure you can relate. It's so much fun. Oh know? gosh. It's fun to get a bite on a jig wrap. I don't know why. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's all changed with the forward facing now is, is 
is you, you being on the front of the boat and just being super, uh, cons- like con- consistent with your time. Like my, my forward facing sonar is mounted on my trolling motor. I have two hands I can fish with. I'm not messing around with a pole or I'm using one other hand, you know, so time management in that factor is, is big too, you know, getting an extra, I don't know, 50 casts using my foot with the forward fixing sonar versus my hand, you know, throughout that day, getting a few extra bites that way or whatever. But yeah, that's what I would say about, about, uh, walleye fishing changing. Yeah, man. Like, I don't know, like closing arguments here. Like I got to get some recommendations from you. Like I want to talk about some gear, some setups specific, um, you know, lures, line selection, um, you know, rods, reels, like, 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 where are you at in terms of being particular? Like, what are some of the details of your setup that you feel like are really meaningful when we're talking about some of these Ned rigging, drop shotting, um, you know, a lot of these crossover baits were that the walleye world and the bass world are really sharing a lot of lately. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big braid, braid on spinning rods of course braid to fluorocarbon leader and normally i'm using a, a 10 10 pound braid for most applications i don't really use much bigger and then i'm using either a, a 6 to 12 pound fluorocarbon leader depending on what i'm doing and uh and rod actions are, are a huge thing in my world i'm with elliot elliot rods and 2b rods or whatever and they make some great great fishing rods and and they have so many different actions for each application and, and uh, going from a long seven, six hair, hair fly, fly rod for, for a smallmouth fishing, you know, one rod basically covers that situation. And then down to their drop shots, I like a, a light action, a seven, like I'm starting to like lighter or shorter rods for drop shotting. I used to use like a seven, one or seven, two. And now I'm liking more of like a six, nine or seven footer just for when i get those fish close to the boat i'm not uh i can get them in the boat a lot easier versus having a longer rod and you lose a little more fish with it i i think but but yeah and then uh most of my bass setups for bait casters is going to be mostly fluorocarbon and uh some i do braid for sure but but that fg knot is is definitely definitely on every rod in my boat pretty much so if you're not utilizing that knot, uh, you should be because that's a definitely a game changer. It goes through your guys really well, and and if you tie it right, it is super strong and very hard to break. So, you know, I can I can literally I can remember the day that I learned about the FG knot, and I mean, and I have an appreciation for how anybody comes to whatever their recommendations are. Not everybody ties the FG knot, not you know whatever, but. I can remember the day, and that was very meaningful for me. I actually, it was ice fishing was my deal, um, and I went through that year. Like, I spent a day in the wintertime where I was just in the kitchen, and I just practiced that knot for, like, three hours watching TV. <laughs> I must have tied, like, it wasn't 100 of them, but it was, like, 50. Yeah. And And I started to realize, like, I probably tied a decent one after, like, five or six, like okay. I started to understand like what, you know, okay, like this is an, like, okay, I get it. Like I got it. Like it's, it's firm. It's good. Yeah. But it hit another level once I did like 20 good ones. Yeah. Yeah. And then I watched a couple other YouTube videos and once I got to like, and, and, and I'm sure 
that I could, I, there's room to grow. I'm sure if I showed you my, my knots, um, you know, you could probably give me some pointers, which, which I get it. But like, there's something about having that, that knot that goes through the guides to where you don't even know it's there. Exactly. And, and it, it accounts for, I, and I use that knot on my ice gear as well, like exclusively yep. for that exact reason. Like when you're fighting a fish, especially a heavy fish, and your leader material, especially longer leaders, is such a thing. Like, oh. I don't know how it is for you, but, like, I think longer leaders, like, fishing clear water, like zebra mussel lakes, has really taught us that, that, that you know, getting your high-vis braid away from the lure um, yeah. is definitely a thing. And so when you're fighting a fish with a 10-foot leader, like, your leader is going to come through your guides before you can net that fish or whatever and when it seamlessly goes through those guides where it's not beating itself up it's not fatiguing itself because you can probably land that individual fish that you just caught but it's that not will last you so much longer oh for sure like you can catch so many more fish because it just doesn't going in and out of those guides when there's when you when it's bearing weight and you're fighting a fish and it comes into those guides like I don't know I'm rambling on but I I think that uh, the your recommendation on that if if this is anybody's first time hearing about like learn the FG knot for your leaders is definitely a big one I love I love your you know being particular about a good rod when you're talking finesse presentations makes a ton of sense I I would totally be in alignment with that if you were gonna invest. You know, a, a ex, a, you know, if you were going to save up for like a nicer rod, like not everybody can have every rod like top shelf, but if you're going to have nice stuff, you know, your finesse presentations, it's going to matter. Yeah, for definitely. sure. So I really, I can totally appreciate that. I can totally appreciate that. But, um, and I love just learning about you, learning about your career, thinking about sort of your mindset and your decision making when you're on the water and, and just being somebody that is, you know, totally exposed and, you know, experiences a high level of fishing, both in the tournament world of walleye fishing. You rub shoulders with some of the best of the best walleye guys out there and you fish right with them. Uh, you, you fish some of the highest profile uh, bass tournaments out there and, and you're exposed to, you know, ev- all the people, all the fishing and all the bodies of water. Um, you know, in the bass world and just blending that together and just kind of getting some recommendations and some stories from you, I think is just fun. But anyhow, yeah, man, I appreciate your time, dude. Anything else on this, this topic of like, you know, just this, this crossover between bass and walleyes and some of these popular topics of, of presentations and, and just how you break down water and some of the influence that your fishing experiences for one versus the other have had on you. Like any, anything else, anything else we could close out on? I think we, we covered, we've covered quite a bit of it, I think. And, uh, and nothing that I can think of really. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm from what you said earlier, I'm very lucky, very fortunate, very happy with the situation I am in in. And, uh, it's, you got to work hard at it if you want it and uh, be dedicated and, um, and, uh, take a good fishing anywhere. Anybody can find you if they ever have questions or just want to follow along with your stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I basically just Instagram is mostly what I do. It's just Kyle Minky. And, uh, yeah, thank a few of my sponsors, like D- Dakota Lithium and Batteries are 
have been unreal for me all year and that's one thing I haven't had to worry about that's for sure and then and definitely Elliot rods if you're looking for a good rod you got to go check one of those off they are uh, very custom and they're very nice they just came out with a new identity series that uh that's pretty awesome and then uh this Oyuk Cleaners, it's a, it's a great company, all natural cleaner. Check them out and then uh, Align Health and Wellness, my chiropractors. If it wasn't for them, I, I wouldn't be spending as much time on the water, that's for sure. So, That's pretty clutch of you to get a chiropractor as a sponsor. I feel like <laughs> that's probably an underappreciated marketing like synergy there. Like More chiropractors should be you know, setting up a shop like at a tournament way in. Yep. Oh my gosh! Or a yeah. masseuse or something I don't know like what that. I do without them, that's for sure. Oh, legit! That's awesome. That's great. That's great, man. Well, no, I'm glad you had you had an opportunity. Good shout outs, and that's it, man. Kyle, I'll let you go for real this time. It's getting kind of late, and uh, I appreciate your time, man. Big time. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. Looking forward to doing it again. This podcast is brought to you by Northland Fishing Tackle. Northland is a brand you can trust. Since the beginning, they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high-quality components. Most importantly, when you buy fishing tackle that says Northland on the package, you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only, and that is catching fish. To check out more of what they got, head to their website, northlandtackle.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by the CT360 Made by Brew City. The CT360 is a heavy-duty, low-profile, very versatile pole mounting system made specifically for operating forward-facing sonar. This is a very durable product made out of high-quality materials, very versatile and easy to use as well as easy to install. It can be incorporated onto a rail system or a track or just attached directly to the gunnel if you know exactly where you want it to be. For more information, on Brew City's CT360 pole mounting system. Head to the link in the description of this podcast. That is brewcitytms.com.